0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning. So good to be with you. Happy Fourth of July. I'm sure you've heard it a bunch of times on your way in, but from the pulpit, I'd like to say happy Independence Day. It is so good to be with you guys today. Um, I hope all of you got a chance to spend some time outdoors, get some time with family, fireworks, food, you know, all the good unhealthy stuff full of carbs, the best kind of food. I hope you got plenty of that because I know I did. So I'm just so happy to have you joining. If you're online, it's so good to have you. If you're floating on the pontoon in some lake up north with your Yeti full of coffee, we welcome you to church. If you're here with us, we're so excited to have you here too. Uh, I'm so excited for today because I'm One, I just love being able to share with you. Uh, This is my family, and it's so good to just be able to crack open God's word and see what he has to say with you. Uh, But also, too, because I feel like God has just set a deep-rooted fire in me for today's message, something I have not felt this fired up about. So if I just start sprinting, just someone just yell, whoa. Because I'll slow down, but I'm just so excited for today's word. But first, I just feel like it's important to recognize that today is the first Sunday on the second half of July. And that's a big deal, because that means we are halfway through this crazy year, am I right? 2020 has been a kind of a crazy year, but we're halfway there, and that causes enough for me to sing a song. Let's hit it, Mike. Oh, okay. I only had 10 seconds in me, I'm sorry, but it's good to sing it with you. Who would have thought Bon Jovi's hit would have been the prophetic word we needed in July of 2020? I'll tell you what, if if I'm the only one, I know I'm living on a prayer right now, so maybe one or two of you are out there singing, when they're singing with me. Man, I, I'm just so excited because we're on this second half and I just know that, hey, God is still in control no matter what the world, what the news is telling you. There is a hope in Jesus to be excited about. In today's message, we're diving into that hope. And going to, we're going to talk about that freedom that Jesus offers us and the, why that freedom should give us a hope for a brighter second half of 2020. Even if the news won't tell you it, we know that God's word tells us that there is a hope to be excited for. Now I'm sure I'm not the only one over the last three or so months who has felt a little angry, frustrated, beat up. Maybe uh, you've experienced some waves of um, depression or anxiety. Maybe you've even felt waves of doubt, frustration. I don't, no one in this room would blame you for experiencing those very difficult emotions. We've been so bombarded with information that's hard to hear sometimes. No matter where you stand on it, it's been information that's hard to hear. And sometimes as we get inundated, especially when uh, during a quarantine time we were at home, we had more access to media than ever. Facebook actually did a study that Facebook activity matched its high point of any other year for three straight months, which means we were all at home when we should have been working, but we're actually on Facebook seeing what the rest of the world is doing. And with that, we caught ourselves in a trap, in an echo chamber of noise. No matter how you think about it, there was this weight, this noise. And I don't know about you, but I felt like my world was getting smaller. I live in us in an apartment, and those walls felt like they were getting smaller and smaller. And I would get frustrated. I'd go to bed anxious. My heart rate would be through the roof. And it's just like I felt like I was my world was coming in on me a little bit. I don't know if you experience that. Maybe your frustration, you're just like your shoulders are up by your ears all the time or you're just clenched. I felt like that and I felt like this box was boxing me in and I was shrinking in my world. My perspective was getting small. And often what happens to people when our world gets small, when we feel boxed in, when we get angry, when we feel trapped, two things typically happen. Two things. Number one. It's the fight or flight syndrome. Number one is that we withdraw and we hide. It's so easy, like, oh, the world is stressful. I need to bury my head. I just tune it out. That's fine for a time, but what happens is that doesn't get you the healing or the wholeness or the perspective. You just kind of tune it out for a little bit. It always makes its way back around. But number two, we can feel like an animal backed into a corner, and the only way out is to get the claws and the teeth out, and we fight our way out just to get to some peace, some security that fight-or-flight mentality. But what I want to talk about today is the option Jesus always presented, and it's the third option. Sometimes it's hard to find, but there is a third option that comes with freedom. There's a third option that Jesus presents to us as believers to walk out when we find ourselves in trapped, uh, hard, difficult situations, to lead us to a better outcome, and that actually uh, leads others to To Jesus as well. I know for me, over the last three months, my spirit, there were times I felt like my heart went 10 rounds with Mike Tyson in his heyday, just taking gut shot after gut shot. And there were times I found myself at the end of the day feeling doubled over, beat up. And at one point, I really just was feeling down. And I don't know if any of you can relate, but my face was on the mat and I heard that ref, you know, the ref counting to 10. One, two, three. And I found myself, I had to like shake my head, to get my eyes right, six, seven. And I felt like, Jesus, if you don't get me up now, I don't know what's going to happen. And there was a spiritual like hand up. I felt like I was getting lifted up just before the ref counted to ten. And I felt that Jesus was saying, no, I have a different way, a way you don't have to the way to endure that barrage, the way to endure what's going on in the world. And that's where this message today was birthed out of. I felt like Jesus gave me a hand up. He gave me a hope, a hope that needs to be talked about. And it got me up off the mat. So if you're in this place today and you hear that ref counting, I want, I want your ears attuned to what I have to say today because I feel like the Lord is getting people up off the mat today and back into the fight. Amen? So good. So I'm really excited. When Jesus enters the equation, this is when everything changes. So today I'm going to talk to you about freedom and what freedom, the process of freedom. Because freedom is not just a light switch. One day you have it and one day you don't. When it comes to Jesus, it is an everyday process. And you may find yourself at different points. So today I'm going to dive through three points of freedom. Number one is receiving freedom. And we're going to talk about why receiving is important, not getting free, why you receive freedom. Number two is living in freedom and how we can choose to live in that every day. You have to choose to live in that freedom. And number three, we're going to talk about leading others to freedom, how a result of one and two leads to number three. So... uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through these points, but I'm going to do it through a powerful story found in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 19. So I'm going to give you a minute. Look it up in your Bibles or your phone because I'm going to read an extended passage. I'd love for you to follow along with me. If you're online, uh, it's going to give the reference, but I would encourage you, open another tab or get in your Bible app and look up this passage. I want to give a little context of what's going on here. So in Acts 16, this is Paul and Silas. They're on a missionary journey, and they are preaching to all of the known world at the time. And in Acts, the new church, the church of Jesus, the New Testament church is exploding. Now it's encountering incredible persecution, but Paul and the apostles, they are leading the charge to expanding the known church. People are getting saved by the thousands uh, during this crazy time. And so as Paul and Silas enter this new city, there's this woman who has um, kind of this, it's demonic, but it's this like supernatural power to be able to tell the future or to have some kind of supernatural gifting. Now we know that's not, what she was doing was not from God. The Bible's very clear it was from the enemy. And so what happened was this woman was actually owned by two men who would charge people to hear their future. And so this woman is uh, very famous in the city. So Paul and Silas show up. And what's the most cool thing to me is that when Paul and Silas show up, the woman who is usually able to foretell the future or to proclaim these words from a demonic sense, she all of a sudden, her tune immediately changes, and the Holy Spirit fills her and says, these two men are preaching the gospel. Listen to them. They are bringing a word of salvation to this city. And as I'm reading that, I just felt like God was like, Yeah. That's how, that's how big I am. That even when I show up, the most powerful demonic powers have to bow and have to recognize who just walked in. It's a really cool part. I encourage you to read it. But I want to pick up the story as Paul and Silas, they actually cast that demon out of that woman and the two businessmen that own this woman are not happy about it. Their business plan is completely eroded and that's where we pick up the story in Acts 16 starting in verse 19. It says, When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace to face their authority, face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. Verse 22, it says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened them in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. This is important. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and, in, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and then he saw the prison doors open. He drew a sword about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" In the, verse 31, this is the end of it. It says, uh, they replied, "Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household." Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and uh, they spoke the Lord of the word to him and to all of his household. Uh, in the house. At, our, at that hour, at that, that very night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he said, uh, He and all of his household were baptized. Then the jailer brought them into his house, and they set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he came to believe in God, and he and his whole household. Now, this is a powerful story of two men who found themselves in a terrible, unjust, wrongfully imprisoned circumstance. Paul and Silas, if they were any of us, we would give them all the room in the world to be pretty frustrated with what's going on. Their doubt would have been warranted. Their anger, their frustration, their um, just toxic thoughts would have been totally warranted. We would have understood. But what I want to do today is talk about how Paul and Silas's experience through this story is the blueprint for us and how we can handle the difficult circumstances we find ourselves in today. Now, I'd assume looking around the room, I can't imagine any of us are getting flogged or thrown in prison, but I will say we are finding ourselves in very difficult conversations, circumstances. We find ourselves in a very uh, pitted against each other circumstance where we find ourselves angry. And what I want to show is that Even in that circumstance, we can apply the principles Paul and Silas showed us through this story. So, as we see this, and as we see even Jesus himself exemplify this this process of freedom, walking in freedom, we have to then think to ourselves, how do we do that? How do we arrive at that point? And so, number one, I want to talk about how you receive freedom. Receiving freedom. Freedom. Now, I use the word receive on purpose, I mention this is because freedom, like Pastor Tony shared today uh, during communion, it was a gift given to us by the completed work of Jesus on the cross. Nothing we could do, no amount of money, good works or service could ever get us the gift of freedom that Jesus gave us on the cross, amen? When Jesus died, he says, Jesus says in Luke that he set the captives free, He loosened the chains of slaves. He came to relieve the oppressed. Jesus' completed work on the cross gives us freedom that the world could never offer. It is unlike any other freedom. And so Jesus' work gives us a, a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit that is on things above. That's why when the Bible says to be in the world, not of it, that's what Jesus is talking about. You have a freedom to be in and an influence to the world, but you are no longer bound to the same rules necessarily because we have our minds set on things above. I want to tell you a quick story from college. I don't even know if my parents know this story, so I'm sorry that this happened. Um, When I was in college, I want to talk about a time where I got myself trapped and needed to get free. Uh, it It was a... I was moving on to this particular floor in a dorm, and ORU, Oral Roberts University, does not have fraternities or anything like that, but there was this particular floor that was legendary because the guy who founded this floor is actually the lead singer of One Republic. Uh, his name is Ryan Tedder, and so he went to ORU and founded this floor. So it was like legendary for guys to like be on this floor. It was like a brotherhood. But a part of that came uh, an initiation of sorts to get in, to be accepted to the floor. So my, I had several tasks I had to do to deem myself worthy. Now this is how ridiculous college boys can get. You had to show how worthy you were to live on a floor. Um, so one of them was I had to go to the cafeteria right after chapel, which is the busiest time of the cafeteria, and I had to sit at a 30-person table and reserve the entire table for the duration of lunch as if someone was going to sit there, but no one was. So I had to sit there, and every time some innocent bystander was gonna try and sit down and eat lunch, I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry, it's saved for some other people, I'm sorry if you could go to another table, for an hour, I had to hold down this table and make sure nobody else sat there. As people are giving me dirty looks, yelling at me, getting so frustrated, they're standing and eating, because there's nowhere else to eat, but I'm holding up this 30-person table. So as if that task was enough, I had one more I had to do that really pushed it to the edge. Uh, There was a Walmart across the street, and at this particular time, there was a fad of taking gallons of milk, pretending to slip, and throw the gallons of milk in the air as they splash on the ground. Uh, Terrible thing to do. Uh, I'm just gonna preface, I'm not proud of this. Um, So part of this initiation was I had to do this thing, and so I went to Walmart, grabbed two gallons of milk, slipped, and broke the gallons of milk. To my not so surprised self, the Walmart security person was right there and had me take a seat in the back manager's office as he called the Tulsa police. I'm a pastor now. And he sits me down and he says, what were you thinking? What provoked you to do this? And I said, ah, well, it's this challenge thing." I was totally honest. I was like, there's this challenge thing. And he goes, that's dumb. And I was like, sir, you're not wrong. It was definitely dumb. And so he kind of hassles me for a little bit. He's just asking me questions and then eventually like, you know what, just don't do it again. And he sent me back to ORU and I was sweating profusely because I thought, I, what are they, I mean, I've offered to buy the milk, but like who knows how far this thing goes. I was thinking all the worst outcomes. They're gonna kick me out of school or something like that. So I have this whole situation, I come back and I immediately started thinking, why did I do this? Like I'm not, this is not me. At the time, like I was uh, serving on several committees at school, I was a leader at the school, why would I do this? And I got myself to thinking, I'm, here I am, I'm becoming trapped by this mindset, this thinking of like, I need to do this to be accepted by this group. I need to think like they think because that means I will be cool, I will be like them, I'll be in this club. And it wasn't until I went to a point where I compromised everything about myself that I realized that I was just, I was being played. I was playing myself into being someone that I wasn't to be accepted. And so I found myself in a trap, and ultimately I ended up moving off of that floor, and my roommate that year ended up being one of my lifelong best friends. We stand up in each other's weddings. Like, God totally redeemed it, but I, it took me kind of hitting that low, experiencing something where I was in this trap to move into a better situation. So when I talk about receiving freedom, it's getting free from a mindset that says I have to be like fill in the blank of your influential people and not on things above. Not knowing what God's word says about you or what you're to do or how to carry yourself. Instead of letting that be your guide, we often let our, uh, whoever our influences are around us to dictate how we talk, how we carry ourselves, how we post, how we interact with each other. And so I want to encourage you, uh, just like I found myself there, don't get yourself to the bottom where you're really just like making people mad and uh, you know, isolating yourself from people to where you realize, man, I need to change something. I need to rethink how I'm acting. I want us to dive back into God's word and see that he has a freedom set apart that is not to be influenced by the things of this world. So, looking at our story, Paul, before he was Paul, this amazing man of God in prison, Paul was actually named Saul. And Saul had to have an encounter with Jesus to change his mindset. Ironically enough, when Saul was, he was a, a religious leader, a very powerful religious leader, and actually was one of the most oppressive people to the Christian faith at first. He was the one who actually was mandating the killing of Christians at first. And it wasn't until, and he thought he was being holy. That's the ironic thing. He, was a, he studied the Old Testament scriptures. He thought he was doing what was right in quelling this rebel rousing. And it wasn't until Jesus sovereignly showed up on his road to Damascus and got in his way that things changed. There's, I'm sure for all of us, there is a moment. Maybe he doesn't have to knock us off our horse like he did to Saul, but Jesus is constantly trying to step in front of you and say, hey, look at me. Let's talk. Jesus is trying to get into your life to change things around. What happened to Saul when he became Paul is he had this encounter with Jesus, he had to be humbled. He had to be taught this new thing. and He was met by a prophet who changed his entire life. And he went on to be one of the most influential apostles of our day and wrote most of the New Testament, leading new churches and leading the charge for the Christian faith from the very beginning. All of you have a call on your life that if you would let Jesus take control, if you would let the authority of God's word be your guide, There is a calling on each of your lives to be an influencer for the kingdom that if we would just submit to that, humble ourselves to it, you would see it clear as day. But often what happens is we get distracted by everything else going on and we let that make all the noise. I want to read for you this passage. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. It kind of encapsulates this whole thought. It says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Your freedom is not earned, but it was bought, to, bought and given to you as a gift." Jesus is coming in. He is unveiling our eyes. He's taking the scales off of our eyes. He's making our hearts like flesh to beat and to see like him. I want to just let you in on a little secret. The devil's plan is to infiltrate your mind, is to get you thinking differently. He may move in other ways, but ultimately... He is trying to get into your mind to redirect you away from thinking free and, uh, and towards being enslaved to the echo chamber that is around you, to being afraid of man more than to be, live in the fear of the Lord, to be more concerned what your neighbors think, what your party thinks, what your uh, people around you, your friends think, more than what God thinks. This is one of my favorite uh, uh, scriptures in the, in the Bible. In 1 John 3, 8, it's the second half of the verse that says, the reason the Son of God appeared was, de- was to destroy the devil's work. The completed work of Jesus gave us the keys to the car that gets us out of the, the work of the devil, but we have to choose to come back to that place on a daily base- basis. Jesus was the ultimate example of this freedom it's that when he, could, when he was dying on the cross, when he was being beaten with rods, he could say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His perspective was on things above, not on the people around him, not on the injustice done to him. It was not on the plans and policies of this world. It was heaven first and everything else second. So that leads us then. once we've gotten free and we've received that gift of freedom that Jesus gives us, we step into point two where it says we have to live in freedom. We have to live in freedom. Now this part can get very difficult because that means we have to make the daily choice. Uh, I I think of it like this. Yesterday was my wife and I's fifth wedding anniversary. So it was fun. We got married on the 4th of July, 2015, and um, We had a great day of kind of celebrating our fifth anniversary. But our first anniversary was not so great. And I want to kind of tell you about this, you know, a little more openly, because we're family, right? So our first wedding anniversary, you want it to be the best thing of all time, but life was in kind of a weird place for us. We had just moved from Oklahoma back to Michigan. We were waiting for our apartment to come available. We're on a wait list, so we were staying with my parents. And at that time, it was just, my, we were transitioning jobs, transitioning homes, trying to just get life figured out, and there was a lot of stress. There was just so much going on. We had no like, breathing room, really. We just felt like we were so in our heads. To the point that, come the day of our first anniversary, I just lost my cool. And we got into an argument, and it, was, it totally derailed this amazing first anniversary date. It was terrible, we didn't even go on a date for our anniversary. And what happens in, I'm sure any of you married longer than us or you know know anything about it, it's that there are going to be bad days. We had a terrible day that day, but what was great was a few days later, we got back on the horse, and we were able to reconcile that date night, get back on the same page, and have been walking in a great marriage for five years now. And so I say that as to say, There are going to be bad days, but it's the choice to come to reconcile, the choice to get back on the horse and to choose love every day. In the same way, your freedom is a choice you have to make every day. It's so easy to succumb to the anger, the frustration, the bitterness of the day-to-day, and you get knocked off your horse in some way. You know, you see, something happens in the news pol- or politically, something happens socially, something happens in your sphere, something happens, and it just derails you from kingdom-mindedness, and it leads you to earthly-mindedness. And it's so easy to just stay off the horse, and so easy to live there. But what happens is, is that your mind and your heart start to then get really narrow vision on just your little world, on your perspective— and what's going on right here, and you're missing God's perspective, the 10,000-foot bird's-eye view of the situation at large. We lose that. And so what I want to encourage you is that you have to make the choice to live free. I look at Paul and Silas in this particular story. They are unjustly arrested, thrown in prison, in the inner cell of the prison, beaten and stripped of their clothes. They're embarrassed and completely uh, bruised and beaten. But when, they, when we get the snapshot of them in the jail cell, what are they doing? They're worshiping, singing hymns to God. They're in prayer for everyone around them to see. How I, I think of what other people were in that prison, maybe people there for years. It would be so easy to succumb to their perspective, like, hey, man, it's prison. It is what it is. Just get used to it. You're going to be here forever. It's easy. They could have succumbed to their perspective, but instead they led with a kingdom perspective despite their circumstance and worship and praise God for everyone else to see. They were the influence in their society, in their world. That's our job. We can't, we can't be relying on elected officials to be our spiritual guide. That's our job as the body of Christ is to be, those, to be those influencers. The church, pastors, all of us are meant to be the spiritual leaders of our community. Everybody has their job. This is our job. And that's where we lead best. And so they're worshiping and they're praying in this circumstance. And they're not allowing their mind to be changed on things. And when that happens, their eyes and their hearts are in God's perspective of the situation. So what happens is God is working in the background and he uses this earthquake to open up the gates. And you would think they had every right to take off, get out of Dodge. They were, there on, they were there wrongfully. They had every right to get out of there. But they didn't and they obeyed the word of the Lord and I'm glad they did because what they did was they were able to minister to this jailer. And that leads us to point three, is that they were being a freedom carrier. They led others to freedom. Paul and Silas had every right to take off and run. They had every right to let that man kill himself because who was he to them? He's the guy who threw him in jail and held him up lock and key. They could have absolutely let their anger and circumstance dictate their decision, but they didn't. They let their perspective on Jesus, their hope, dictate everything. And so what happened was, as they are remaining in their jail cell, the now all of a sudden this jailer has a a perspective of like, what must I do to be saved? What are, like, clearly God is on your side. What must I do to be a part of that team? He's been on the wrong side of it this whole time. And Paul and Silas couldn't, like I said, had every right to tell this guy off. But instead they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. I want to tell you that there are circumstances, situations that we find ourselves in that with a heavenly mindset turn into people knowing Jesus rather than choosing opportunities that lead to anger and frustration. Sometimes it's just a matter of perspective in a moment, and we never know when they're going to happen, and that's the beauty and the hardest part of it is that we daily choose to walk in that freedom, daily choose to pick up our cross like Scripture says. And to walk in that freedom. And so when we get to those moments, our immediate response is believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. That's the immediate response. And so how do we walk in that freedom? How do we lead others to freedom? We have to renew our minds every single day. We get back into God's word. We lead with worship and prayer to start our day, to start, to readjust, to recalibrate our perspective. And then we get to a point where we're not operating out of desperation anymore. We're not, the world cannot affect us anymore because we're so heavenly minded. We're so kingdom minded that we're not moved by anything else. That freedom that the Holy Spirit gives us eliminates the need for self-promotion and self-preservation and it blossoms a heart of compassion for others because it's the heart of Jesus. So... Uh, in Mark 8.36, I know I'm skipping a few down. Uh, it says, Mark 8.36-37, it says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give you, give in exchange for their soul? It is no good to store up your clout, your popularity, your influence on the world, if that means exchanging it for your soul. When we get heavenly minded, your influence will come. Your ability to interact, to uh, lead others will come. But it's not exchanging to get that influence, exchanging it for your soul. So what I want to do here today is uh, we've seen this process of of receiving that freedom, receiving the completed work of Jesus. Maybe for some of you in this room, you're like, Tyler, I've been saved for 30 years, 40 years. Maybe you're listening or you're in this room and you're like, I've never made that decision. I want to implore you, revisit, if you've been walking with Jesus, revisit salvation, revisit that moment you bowed your knee at the cross and said, Jesus, I give you my life. What was that like? Come back to that moment. Then number two, I want to encourage you to live in that. Renew your mind on things above every day. Come back to that. Let that be your compass and guide. And then number three, allow those two, first two points to be your guide as you influence the world around you. Not for your opinions, but for the, for the kingdom at large, for what God is trying to do. I felt like God was just kind of giving me this word that there is a gospel-first transition happening in the world. That there is a hope that is we can stand on that. As the world gets darker and darker, newsflash, the world has gone through turmoil several times over. We have seen societies encounter chaos and turmoil and frustration. We've seen uh, division in leadership before. But what always happens is that God uses that and out of the cracks of the darkness, we see a light that comes and the church rallies up and we see transformation happen. That's where we get on board. So I want to encourage you today to get on the bus. Get free. Walk in that freedom. Because when you do that, that's when we start to see some kingdom. Uh, kingdom momentum happening, not just political momentum or societal momentum. We see kingdom momentum when the church puts Jesus first. So what I want to do right now is I'm going to spend a a moment in prayer and I'm going to invite the worship team up at this time. And as we do this, I just want you to reflect on where you're at today. And as we do that, um, we're going to prepare for one last song and I want it to be a party because we're going to sing about God's goodness. We're going to celebrate. But as we do that, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to ask that the Holy Spirit would just release freedom in this room and anyone online. So Jesus, we, we need you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that everyone under the sound of my voice, online or in person, we are asking that your word would start to move in a powerful way, God. Would you set hard hearts free? Would you set scaled eyes free, Jesus. Lord, would you give us that renewal of our strength, that renewal of our mind to move into what you have for us and establish for us. God, would you then allow us to be an influence for the people around us? God, we need you. Would you help us to be those leaders? Holy Spirit, I just ask for freedom in the name of Jesus whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus, would you release freedom? I just feel like the Lord is um, stirring something new and I just wanna be a mouthpiece for it. I feel like there is this turning over of things. I feel like the Lord was kinda of just in my prep was saying that there is a turning over from death to life, from mourning to dancing. He's taking, He's making beauty from ashes. He is taking what was used for darkness and he's making it for good. He's taking what looked like chaos and restoring order. He's taking where there has been uh, un- injustice and brokenness and he's putting in peace and restoration. He's coming in and he's restoring communities. He's coming in and restoring hearts. He's restoring families. God is taking what was once broken and he's putting it together for his good. So Jesus would you stir in this place a restoration spirit a restoration power that we would be agents of that restoration agents of your love and uh, and community. Jesus we need you now for more than ever it feels like to be used as an influence for this world to see your name made great. Jesus, we want to be on your side of this as you make a mighty work out of our country, as you make a mighty work out of what's going on in the world. Use us, God. As CCC, we raise our hands and say, use us, God. Here am I, send me. So Jesus, today we celebrate with you, we worship you and we declare that we are working with you. We're on your team as we get through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.